Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamfrott and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review Raw, but also SmackDown, NXT, AEW, Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review Raw and another show, Michael Hamlet, that wasn't absolutely terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, lowest bar ever, etc, etc, etc. Like, ever, 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 ever. Um, feel like we'll talk a bit more about that during the five-star review review. But, aye, bar's never been lower. Expectation of quality's never been lower. And as a result, like, I thought the show was passable. Like, I'm loath to go wild with praise because it's raw. It's three hours. There's always a minimum of one. And it's like always more than one now. Thing that in the old days, when there were standards, it would like be WrestleCrap Hall of Fame. Honestly, like there's there's stuff every week that would now be like WrestleCrap Hall of Fame. Um, so you can never just be like, wow, like what a great raw. What a really great three hours. It, it just never happens. It's impossible. Um, but things are really liked. Like genuinely things are really liked. Couple of angles that seem decent, proper breath of fresh air in at least three separate feeds that things are actually moving on after like everything just slumped horribly after WrestleMania. So watchable without some of the existential dread that I normally have when we sit down to review these shows. I can't really add anything to that other than I was just astonished by some of the baseline competence in writing. In trying to get a certain individual over, which I think they did a tremendous job of, whether I'm um, invested in that individual or otherwise. You're still watching a show on which your incredible state-of-the-art, phenomenal, spectacular super worker is made to look like a complete tit. But that's the curve again. <laughs> I should against the curve that is itself, this episode of Raw wasn't atrocious. But there's loads of atrocious things on it because, of course, there is. Yes. It's better than your precious SmackDown. <laughs> it was better than SmackDown. It was. It was. Uh, also, like the fact of 
we did a whole thing on the preview yesterday, CJ, me saying, I know where this is going with that triple threat. Mahal's going to cough McIntyre. They're going to do the whole three MB thing. And then literally opening match, Mahal's in it. And I was like, oh, he's got no excuse. He's got no justification if that actually happened. So probably makes it even more likely somehow. But yes, the show opened with Postman Pierce and Sonya Deville uh, revealing that Randy Orton couldn't compete in the last chance triple threat match. Uh, reasons out of their or circumstances out of their control, something like that, they said. Uh, but they said they're going to have a battle royal to start the show off. Uh, and whoever wins that is going to take Randy Orton's place. In comes Riddle. He has a handwritten note from Randy Orton saying he can take his place. It read something along the lines of, oh, I remember aloha at the beginning of the end, because that means hello and goodbye, as Riddle pointed out. Something like, this totally bodacious dude can like take my spot in the, the, the battle royal man, or I don't know. And he'd drawn a picture of a snake at the end. Um, Riddle wanted to take his place. I don't know. Like, it's so ridiculous. It's almost endearing, Sidgwick. Is it just me? Or because the shoehorning of the word bro into literally everything this daft twat has ever said in his life? <laughs> Because that curve exists, are they actually having a little bit of fun? I don't necessarily find this funny, what they're doing with Riddle, but it feels like this is less horrifically middle-aged white people do stoner comedy like it was at the very beginning. It feels like there's... If I don't personally like it, and I don't, it does nonetheless feel in the scripting, with the details of the drawing of the snake, it feels like they're actually trying to craft with a little bit of... Just the fun of the creative process is mapping somewhat this Matt Riddle character. I don't know. I don't think it's pretty funny, but it feels crafted. It feels like there are people having fun with this. As for him being in it, it's a babyface characteristic in a company totally starved of them, mm. which for me counters the idea that it's all a bit impromptu. But it was one of the least impromptu roles ever in recent memory. You know, they had an opening match that was going to build towards the main event, both of which had been advertised. The slightest veneer that the show could feasibly exist without a person obviously writing it. it was so welcome. Yeah, crafted would be the word I would go with because there just felt a sense of, again, you know, unclear if this was spontaneous or this was the plan all along was to like, and maybe that's why they were vague on keeping Orton out of it because they decided to make an investment, but an investment was what it felt like it was tonight in Riddle. You know, it, it like, again, I'm kind of like watching it a little bit at a distance because I'm not particularly interested in Riddle myself, but I could see the investment in a character. You know, you could, uh, were, it was all very on the nose, but it was better on the nose than the mystery key, this letter. Mm. You know, you could tell it wasn't a real legal document because it wasn't printed on sticky label paper. He'd obviously done it himself. <laughs> it was like, you, you were supposed to be in on the gag rather than laughing at this like arsehole that even the baby faces hate. Like even a Jeff Hardy in New Day would be like, this guy's a dick. Like you was kind of, you were supposed to be on his side from the off. And then the in-ring told that exact same story. So yeah, again, like I would love to know how much of this was, like the Orton thing to me is interesting because either they've been like put on the back foot and typically have had to do something better with no notice than having days worth of planning. Or, and this seems now the more unbelievable of the two, this was always the idea. 
Like, I have no faith that they've got this sort of quality of a night in them to plan like days in advance. But if this was always the idea, there's a pretty decent one. Mm. He's, he has been ghosting Riddle. I've seen that on social media as well. Also, just a quick word on Riddle. I did a, uh, I did a list the other day for our YouTube channel about the 10 stupidest things WWE superstars have done so far in 2021, written by one Michael Hamlet, if I'm not mistaken. And um, the, the one of the final entries is Riddle, where I say... You know, like I like Riddle in ring, but he's the he's the annoying stoner at the party who would not shut the hell up. Effectively, one of my uni mates texted me saying, "I feel personally attacked by this statement." <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Mike James for that one. But let's talk about the battle royal. A load of goobers in there, of course. Poor Drew Gulak first eliminated. Uh, then out goes Shelton Benjamin. Angel Garza gets chucked out, but he lands on one foot and hops around, gets back in, tries to chuck out Mansoor. But uh, Mustafa Ali saves Mansoor, looking out for him, uh, throws out Gaza, and then as soon as Mansoor gets in, Ali throws him out to teach him uh, a lesson. Our truth gets backdropped out by Jinder Mahal. Quite a few eliminations for, for Jinder Mahal in this. Um, Akira Tozawa followed. Gulak then ran over. They remembered the 24-7 championship. Gulak, rem- oh yeah, remember that? Rolls up Tozawa, wins it. Truth immediately obviously pins Gulak. Tozawa pins truth wins it back no one cares uh big George. he comes down to ringside he pulls out both the viking radius they brawl around ringside we go to a break and then i think when we come back this there's, there's four men left it's jeff hardy cedric alexander uh damian priest who was back i was concerned for damian priest that they just sort of you know low-key brought him back in this but he did get down to the final two so hopefully it's just a case of this isn't for you, but we haven't forgotten about you sort of thing. And Riddle uh, was the fourth person left. Hardy ran wild, twist of fates on, on almost everyone, went for it on Cedric Alexander, but Cedric Alexander counters, throws him out, shouts at him because he's an idiot, turns around, hit the lights from uh, Damien Priest. Alexander goes out. It's down to the final two, Riddle and Damien Priest. Really enjoyed these two working together. Uh, Riddle eventually locks on the bro mission. Priest drops him on the apron. Riddle tries to pull out Priest, but he fights back. Priest on the apron. Riddle's in the ring. Riddle jumping knee, rocks Priest, knocks him out. Riddle wins the battle royal, but he, he insists they announce it as Randy Orton effectively and certainly play Randy Orton's music, the pyro for which scared the crap out of Riddle. Uh, but he does the Orton's pose and celebrates afterwards. Good stuff, this pamphlet. I could scarcely believe what I was watching here. This wasn't totally artless. This was a battle royal full of the raw rank and file and it was nearly good. I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't know WWE had it in them. Um you know, like you can think what you want about the 24-7 title, for example, or the like futility of Cedric Alexander's very existence. Like those are those are things that we have to deal with, but WWE thought enough of them to incorporate them into this match. Um, this played like a very traditional WWE Battle Royal, the type of which I would like, where several wrestlers are involved in storylines or angles and you use them, where you use the sort of final stretch to try and get somebody over, even in defeat, which was the case in Damian Priest, in like a really strong exchange, the stakes were high. You know, like that spot in the main event meant something and they all wanted it. And they were all given agency for five minutes for a change instead of being in catering, as MVP tells us that's where they all are. Um, I could not believe that this WWE assembled this match mm. and like more continuation of the of the kind of like the, what felt like a real potent elevation of Riddle to the, the tippy-toppy bracket on Raw tonight. Like, like, really, really decent, this. 
yeah, I was in disbelief at this comedic battle royal that potentially undermined the very stakes for which it was fought. But it's just, again, any kind of thought from this company is at this point, curve, curve, curve. Welcomed. Like, Mansoor and Mustafa Ali, Mustafa Ali, apologies, are not going to work this incredible opener at SummerSlam 2021. It just isn't going to happen. But for now, they are building it as if Vince McMahon isn't going to completely rip up the script. <laughs> That's to be commended. The 24-7 stuff has completely lost its luster. I don't think it ever had any in the first place. Well, I, mean, I tell some stories. First champion had some pretty big... <sighs> Will, you don't always have... So there's a switch on your back that I can get your missus to just turn off. Never! Right. Look, it did the things. It advanced undercard and midcard storylines. All of that was dispensed with at the finish, where they laboured on this really quite excellent exchange between Riddle and Damien Priest to sort of convey the, the lasting image of Damien Priest is still someone worth beating. I guess, again, it's curve stuff. And Riddle is getting baby-faced all the way to the main event. Like, I could not leave without that unmistakable impression. Again, just bizarrely competent. I love it. It's like you two, like, giving your kids a present and coming in about an hour later going, you haven't broken it yet. This is brilliant. Um, but we came crashing down to earth next because we're backstage. <laughs> What's your thing? I'm the, the Queen of Spades. Queen of Spades, is it? Get me some damn cards. Yeah, Shayna Baszler's there. She's playing with cards. And Nia Jax comes in and goes, what are you, uh, preparing for a match or are you going to have a card game? Just oh, straight up better look in a bloody card game. Uh, she says, oh, don't worry. These cards are here to, to help me relax. Okay. Um, Reginald's there. He tries to smoke those cards. <laughs> Basically says, oh, don't matter about the apology. Who cares? This storyline's a load of bollocks. Uh, it's Alexa Bliss. All that nonsense. Uh, I'm going to murder Nikki Cross later. Superhero stuff. And I'm going to smash her up and put her in timeout like that stupid bloody doll. And they walk off, but spooky Alexa Bliss, Michael Sidgwick, she's standing in the background. Yep, she is. I mean, <laughs> she's nicknamed the Queen of Spades, so she must carry around a pack of cards in which the Queen of Spades is in the pack. Like, if I could be asked, like, you can have loads of fun with this as patter. Like, what other props... Could these guys have? Could these wrestlers have? That are just like their nicknames. It's just so stupid. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Right, okay, well, we need something for this character. It's a nickname, the Queen of Spades, deck of cards. Now, uh, people get paid fortunes, small fortunes to write this. It's, it must be so easy. LTST, baby. Queen of Queen of Hearts, Natalia. Oh, a card match at SummerSlam. Come on. What's a card match? What <laughs> is a card match, Wilborn? Tell me that right now. Um, golden pack of cards suspended above the ring. You have to climb it. Like, it's got to be a ladder match, obviously. They've not had on for like 10 minutes. How has Damien Priest not got an actual arrow yet? <laughs> like, seriously, how has he not got an actual arrow yet? That he was can There's WrestleMania entrance, isn't it? Like, yeah, The Rock had like his name... Soaked in petrol. Damien Priest can have it with an arrow. He's going to fire that flaming arrow at his own name. You should have it every week. 
I'd, I loved the, like, how incredulous Nijax was, considering that this is a prop comedy company. Like, what are you doing, you stupid idiot? You're playing cards. Like, completely shocked by that, as if she hasn't been hypnotised in the last month, as if there hasn't been so oh, many man. more things as bizarre to her than somebody playing with cards backstage. Consider the person they're feuding with, and she's like, what are you doing with them? Like, <laughs> oh, brilliant. Great this. I've decided, love, I know, you know, it's all about making money here in Florida. And, you know, we've been we've been kept well by Vince McMahon selling goo and tomatoes. But I'm going to follow my passion. I'm going to launch a magic shop. Cling! You got some pot cards, pal! I saved! <laughs> um, I also felt a lot better after this show because you've been talking loads about like Ended. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you guys have been talking a lot about like, I mean, like Jackson Riker. They're going to push Jackson Riker. This was the show where I went, oh, Jackson Riker's Vladimir Kozlov. We're all fine. Don't worry. He is going to have one match and that's going to be about it. And they're probably going to have to hoist Triple H in there to make it interesting because they cut backstage and he's just twatting a box with a strap. And they just went, yep, keep doing that. Any interaction or any, any sort of promo? Nah, just keep twatting it. That'll kill 20 seconds. Uh, right, uh, next up, uh, Omos and AJ Styles getting interviewed. AJ Styles furious that Riddle has got into this match. He should be taking on Drew McIntyre one-on-one if Randy Orton can't compete. And he said all Big Job was doing was scouting the competition when he came out and ruined the match, uh, the Battle Royal for the Viking Raiders. He said, basically, Drew McIntyre still buggered. Look at his back uh, from, from Hell in a Cell and Riddle's already competed. I've got the advantage tonight. I'm going to win the triple threat. I'm going to go on to win the Money in the Bank ladder match. Anything you want to say about this, particularly the Jackson Riker stuff, Hamlet? Not really. Um, Jackson Riker, can, can we briefly touch on his interaction with our truth before the Oh, no, I'm saving that. That's a treat for later. I, I've got a couple of thoughts on that, but not on him smashing a box. And again, like I didn't really mention this in the review of the Battle Royal, like can't really take the piss too much out of the AJ Omos thing because reasonably effective tag feud building and they almost never do that. Like, how is it that the Viking Raiders are getting along? Shouldn't they be fighting to get a title shot? I know. Like, sure I mean, yeah, like, competent again. There was further proof that this company is completely dead because WWE pays tribute to TNA moment would probably get a bit of, like, viral traction or like, any kind of conversation. Or, oh, that's nice. Oh, it's unusual that they did that because AJ Styles shouted out the um, Scott Steiner math promo. Said my chances will drastically go down because it's a triple threat match, and it just made me realize, oh, no one wants to think anything nice of this company <laughs> at all on any level. It's dead. Um, Nikki Cross has got a new name. Uh, she was chatting with Sarah Schreiber about not just being a superhero, but you know, trying to. Be an inspiration for people, blah, blah, blah. You know, a nice sentiment, but just undercut by the company that she's working for. And it, it's it's bad, this, because I, 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 don't, I don't really like it. It's, you know, it's it's nice to see her doing something she's passionate about. But my issue with it is not only the fact I'm like, eh, this clearly isn't for, you know, people like me watching Monday Night Raw. It's also that she's <laughs> she's clearly really invested in it. And it, it it's just going to be ruined, undercut. Probably she's going to get a heel turned in about three weeks or something. You people, oh capes, bollocks! I don't know, but anyway, uh, she got the full shorty G. Actually, let's let's shorn that up a bit. She talks about being almost a superhero, Nikki Cross. Oh wait, let's change that up. Why don't you call me Nikki Ash? 
that stands for almost i'm not sure if you mentioned enough times that that stands for almost a superhero uh, but yes it's nikki ash sidgwick oh good well this is funny i did not notice this it might be a coincidence it's when not nikki, i know what you're gonna say and it's not a coincidence absolutely uh, never will. someone tweeted this i thought all right okay yeah, yeah. I, know, I know what you're doing uh nikki ash almost a superhero is in fact so inexplicable because it's not inexplicable at all. It's a riff on the fired creative writer who called him Bobby Ashley or Lashley or whatever his name is. Let's not wade into that discourse. It's far too nuanced. You might actually <laughs> have to defend WWE on that one. Um, so Nikki Ash take the piss out of this person that obviously wanted to bury. And it's just so funny because I don't necessarily think Nikki Cross wants to inspire the youth. I think she wants to get on bloody telly, right? <laughs> she might have a dorky sense of humour. This might mean something to her in this strange, very nerdy way. Who knows? I think she's trying to get on telly, and I think she's um, clever to do it. But even if it was just a cynical ploy to get on telly, in the fiction of WWE, it's still a nice thing, a nice character, right, who wants to instill self-belief in people who don't have it themselves. And she is going to prove the inspiration for people who lack self-belief and confidence and all the rest of it. And within a week, within a week, one week, seven days, it has just become this mean-spirited exercise in being petty. Just class, man. The best company in the world. Do not isolate that clip. <laughs> it, it, honestly like again going back to what we said at the start if in any way this show existed and wasn't torn up like two hours before showtime and Vince Man rewrote it someone had to sit down and think right where are we going to bury Kenise Mobley like it's like a Shane McMahon match at Wrestlemania top priority on the board today is absolutely bury this writer should we try and get over some babies no 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 <laughs> like pick a character with which we can crush this writer's this fired person's spirit it's like oh what about the yeah, the knee stupid spirit crusher <laughs> well, uh, we'll bury it there. They'll never see that one coming because this is the most wholesome character we've got. It's a perfect place for it. And yeah, Nikki Ash. I don't mind Nikki Ash as a name. It's no worse or better than Nikki Cross, really. Mm. It was both in this match. Like, is it going to stick? Are they actually going to call her it or not? Because it was a bit like wanting to say whether or not Liv Morgan was in the Money in the Bank match. You mm. didn't really want to commit to it, did you? No. Um, I was just really worried they were going to do the whole superhero in training thing. So I was genuinely happy when it was just like, oh, okay, it doesn't spell something that just makes it look even more stupid. Nikki <laughs> shit. <laughs> oh, for Christ's sake. Sorry, sorry, it was funny. Cape unit. Not today, Nikki. <laughs> you just remind me of Osage with that whole Bobby Ashley patter of <laughs> really niche part of this. Joking here. Uh, took over as Newcastle manager. <laughs> Don't remind <laughs> me. Do, not, do not remind me. And was uh, asked about uh, the players that he's got available to him. And he said, uh, I think they've got some magnificent midfield players. Tiote, Sissoko, they're both very solid. Ben Affrey and Johan Kebab. That was his two other players. They're not Ben Arthur and Johan Kabai. But yeah, close enough, Joe. Why are we cursed to have big... Fat bastard managers with food on their heads the entire time. Bacon, kebab. Just get a good continental manager who plays some nice technical football, who keeps himself in a decent, non-repulsive shape. Steve Bruce in here. 
Kinnear, who like blatantly tried to use the same, oh, I got his name wrong, but it was obviously like a training ground nickname because he was a bit lazy. Charles Insomnia for Charles Insomnia. And he <laughs> left, he left it over. It was like, that one snuck out with a training pitch, that one. Do, do, oh, I got it wrong. Insomnia. Now we know what you're doing. Sorry, you got a good one now. How's the game, Steve? How's the bacon? Brilliant. <laughs> Uh, so, yes, we got Nikki Cross versus Shayna Baszler and uh, spooky bollocks ensued, basically. Uh, Baszler was, for the most part, in control early on. Then she missed her knee. Cross the center, cross center to the floor and out comes Little Miss Bliss. This makes all the heels at ring... Well, heels? I, I don't know. The people at ringside freeze. Uh, and then Cross comes off the top rope with a huge crossbody onto all three of them. She jumps back in the ring. She does her superhero pose. Later on, whilst wrestling i suppose is going on in the ring who cares uh little miss bliss and nia jacks walk up to each other at ringside hypnosis is about to happen but reginald stops all that so bliss just kicks jacks and reginald in one smooth movement basically in the midst of all this and, and bliss walking up the ramp basler gets rolled up by cross but kicks out back in the game baby Goes for a Kira for clutch. Cross, cross just gets out of it, immediately rolls her up again and pins her. Oh, okay, fair enough, Amplet. You're covering your face with that finish. That <laughs> finish, man, honestly. It's like, oh, thank God, finally they're not stupid enough to get caught by a roll-up. Oh, she's just had like a once-unstoppable submission counted instead. Like, I'd like, I don't believe in burials on WWE's main roster anymore because everybody's buried until they're not. You know, it's just one week, they'll click the fingers and somebody will get pushed. It Like, nothing matters as much as it used to. But this is like quite an impressive an attempt to do so. <laughs> like that, Shayna Baszler had lost like what twice ever in NXT, and that Karafuda clutch beat everybody three times maybe. Like she loses every single week, and gone are the days of distraction slash hypnotize slash somebody else is controlling my legs roll ups. We're now into the best weapon in my arsenal has just been counted in a split second. Maybe you should play a bit less cards. Naya was right. Like <laughs> one of the more inoffensive weeks for the Alexa Bliss character, and yet instead they tacked it on. To the finish of this instead. I also quite like the uh, Christopher Nolan-esque the superhero is being helped by the villain. We live in a society. <laughs> like, <laughs> that film is garbage and WWE is showing you why. <laughs> I've got no thoughts on the match other than utter pity again for Shayna Baszler who I might I'll not remember the source to save my life. I'll probably be paraphrasing if not directly misquoting this. But I'm pretty certain I read an interview with Shayna Baszler, which is like bargaining for what she's doing. Well, you know, I have to show a bit more range these days. I'm on the main roster. It's a different kind of show. Stop bargaining. <laughs> Just don't say anything. Put in an impossible position. Anyone who gets interviewed in this company, or at least 95% of the people in this company who get interviewed, is put like in an impossible position. Here's a reporter. Hey, why do you suck so much? <laughs> uh, well... You know, you know how it is. Don't ask me the question. Don't ask me the question, please. It's, it's literally it's literally Dennis Pennis on the red carpet against Steve Martin. Hey, Steve, how come you're not funny anymore? But he has to actually answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 
36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Next up was something I really did enjoy. Uh, Kofi Kingston and MVP face-to-face. This was, of course, meant to be uh, Kofi and uh, Bobby Lashley face-to-face, but he and Orton, no no word as yet why. I'm not going to speculate why, of course. Uh, but they were missing from Monday Night Raw. Uh, but Kingston, I love a fired-up Kingston promo. Great stuff. Talks about Lashley attacking, viciously beating Woods after beating him in Hell in a Cell last week. Talks about being helpless, being unable to to get into the cell and help his friend. Um, But he did say that he should put some respect on Xavier Woods' name uh, for for going the distance with Bobby Lashley in a cell. Uh, But he can't get that image of Woods in pain out of his mind. And as a result, he's going to use that as motivation to make Lashley pay, beat him at Money in the Bank and win the WWE Championship. Out comes MVPs flanked by Lashley's ladies. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He did the the WWE laugh of <laughs> you can't think that's actually possible that you can beat Bobby Lashley we're already looking past you you're not even a threat uh Lashley's off enjoying a vacation but don't worry he'll be back to murder you at money in the bank basically and uh Lashley would make Brock Lesnar he said the name uh what Brock Lesnar did to Kingston seem like nothing Kingston comes back and said Lashley's going soft basically because of his association with MVP. Look, Woods got close to beating him last week and Kingston's not even bothered because he's already beaten Bobby Lashley. MVP said, yes, all right, you did do that. You deserve everything you've you've got. Um, And uh, Kingston said, yeah, I earned all those accolades that I've got over the years. When I was was champion as well, I'd defend the title every week. I took the belt all over the world. Lashley can't do that in fairness, like. Yeah, granted. Um, (laughs) But Lashley was taking vacations and hanging out with ladies. Um, your pot, man. Oh. And he said, basically, Lashley's not focused. He's soft. He's going to win the title from him. MVP comes down the ramp. Uh, he said, Kingston, you took that title back to Ghana, all for your ego. And Kingston said, well, Woods is going to be back next week because he's not like you. You're milking that knee injury. MVP's furious at this. He's he's not cleared. He's too hurt, basically. And Kingston just jumps out the ring and hits him with a trouble in paradise and says, well, if you aren't hurt, hurt before, you're hurt now. I really quite like this, Amplet. Yeah, uh, me too. This is the um, James Bond crocodile heads 
WWE angle at present, isn't it? Like the wrestlers are James Bond, the crocodile heads of Vince McMahon. They've just got a jump for about, there's like six per pay-per-view cycle and they got across all heads without one of them snapping them and eating them and killing the whole thing. Like, and this is another week where this has succeeded. This program has yet to fall apart. And I really like that. This, um, the content was good. Uh, you mentioned sort of the, the Brock Lesnar point. The, yeah, Bobby Lashley hasn't defended it all over the world, but like the, the point is still fine because Lashley's on holiday. And the whole point of Kingston was that he didn't do that. He, he took being WWE champion seriously, he sh- like showed it the respect that he believed it deserved that he is now perceiving Lashley not to do. And they even went to the trouble. I know this like got announced later on, but they've set up a rematch that I actually want to watch. Mm. So like you get, it's not in a cell this time, so it doesn't feel quite as silly, but you get Lashley. It's Lashley and Woods, isn't it? Again. Mm, yeah. um, but there's like real justification for that as a way to tease out this contest between Lashley and Kingston. It's perfect crowds are back, money in the bank, title feud stuff, this, because Lashley, last time in front of a crowd, was like almost a babyface in his match against Drew McIntyre because he was just too good, too strong, too much of a super athlete, just this like jacked hybrid star. You are very clearly drawing the heel and babyface lines here between these characters. Honestly, like, again, I'm surprised at how impressed I am from the start of this two weeks before the Drew McIntyre match that they're still here and they haven't dropped the ball. It's quite incredible. I think this is easily the best thing WWE's main roster has done in 2021. I will not acknowledge the tribal chief. Sorry, Roman Sasha Susan, SZN. I won't do that. This is better. This is better. Better storytelling. You're going to get an actual big time-ish wrestling match on the back of it. Um, I was just awestruck at Kofi Kingston's delivery. Thought he was on unreal form. Mm. I believed everything a babyface in WWE was saying. Quite incredible. I kind of wish that... He would acknowledge, look, the win over Lashley, you know, it wasn't the cleanest. Um, Unlike you, that kind of pisses me off. That kind of keeps me up at night. And I'm determined, bound and determined, to make sure it's as clean as a goddamn whistle at Money in the Bank. I will not think less of him for saying that. I will not think less of him for acknowledging something that I saw with my own eyes. I would, in fact, think significantly more of him if he didn't try to sell it as this plot point that I know to be complete bollocks. This isn't the way this company operates. I will watch it as a paid analyst. With that caveat in mind, I would not be watching this if I wasn't paid at all, (laughs) incidentally. But this is like, this transcends the, that's pretty, sorry for all this. This is actually good. This is actually good. A little bit flawed, but genuinely really good, this. Uh, we had a recap of Eva Marianne, you drap. Um, and uh, <laughs> what happened with her abandoning Eva Marie effectively last week. Kevin Patrick's inter- interviewing both of them. Eva Marie obviously gets his name wrong. Uh, and Eva Marie basically says, Dewdrop's getting the chance to make up for last week. They're in a rematch against Asuka and Naomi. They come down. Dewdrop's holding Marie's jacket for her. Uh, obviously, Dewdrop does the work in this match. Naomi goes for a sunset flip. Dewdrop counters it. Asuka comes in, gets some good offense in, uh, but Dewdrop eventually hits a splash in the corner. Asuka applies the Asuka lock. Dewdrop breaks out, goes for the tag, but then 
copying what happened last week with the rolls reversed. Marie jumps off the apron. Asuka tries to roll up Dewdrop, but she escapes and just goes, oh, okay, well, I don't need you for this. I'll just win the match anyway. Uh, takes out Asuka, uh, takes out Naomi, and then in the end hits a running crossbody splash thing on Naomi for the victory. Marie can't believe what she's seeing, uh, but she grabs the mic and answers herself as the winner. It spoiled a lot of piss online yet again, Michael Sidgwick. Who cares? Who cares about them? Mm-hmm. I mean, just watch Stardom if you care about the sanctity of women's wrestling and good wrestling. Um, this bit doesn't even work anymore because WWE is largely bad. Like, it's not significantly better than Eva Marie. What was this? <laughs> what would I, I don't know what I'm watching here, man. I've got no idea what I'm watching <laughs> at all. Is this some kind of game between the two of them? Was this some kind of test? Why did Piper Niven acknowledge it as a, oh, right, you might have got me there. Did you? Do you? <laughs> <laughs> Do not know what any of this is. Not that it matters, mm. but Piper Niven looked remarkably assured in there. He saw glimpses of someone who could actually do good matches, different matches in this division. But it's just what it is right now. I don't know what this is, therefore I will not critique it. Yeah, yeah. The story is three weeks old. I couldn't believe what we like. We were joking about it on the preview yesterday. Oh, they pulled the trigger pretty quick on a turn. This is has to go in a strange new direction. No, it doesn't, apparently. And Asker and like, yeah, I don't care about Asker getting pinned in two minutes from an advantageous position, no less. And like, and WWE is saying, nor should you, because they've already qualified for money in the bank. Like, Dewdrop's a stupid idiot, isn't she? Because, like, what was the point of the win this week when they should have got it last week? Joke's on her. Um, I The action, short as it was, wasn't any good until Eva Marie got off the apron. So is she that much of a hex on women's wrestling that she's making it worse without doing anything? Because the best bit of the match was Dewdrop's finisher. She does bring something different, and that's welcome. Like, a desperate need for some diversity in this division. But completely echo Cedric's point. If you come into Raw looking for elite tier women's wrestling, you're not gonna get it. I'm, I'm, I'm like legitimately shocked if that's the piss boiler versus I don't know, like decades of systemic failure. Like, is that just not as hot a take or something? I'm really annoyed that this company's been failing for as long as I've been alive, said a 20-year-old. Like, it's just, it's not as an interesting thing to be annoyed about with Roy, is it? But yeah, I can't be annoyed at that. I can just be confused at whatever the hell this is. I don't get it. Here's the thing. She, let's just extrapolate this story. Is it worth it? No, it's worth it. Move on. Yeah. Let's instead move on uh, to talk about John Morrison. Uh, They recapped him beating Randy Orton last week using that drip stick. Sarah Schreiber catches up with him and The Miz. Uh, nice little bit where he says, all right, yeah, The Miz isn't the, you know, the uh, the quickest or the strongest or anything like that. And then doesn't say, but, and Miz is like, but? And he's like, oh, yeah, but he's, yeah, I suppose he's got pretty smart. And uh, The Miz is cutting his promo saying, oh, I see everything, nothing gets past me. They bring it in close on Morrison and Miz and a hand holding a microphone. And when it comes out, it's no longer Sarah Schreiber doing the interview, but Wacky Ricochet. Uh, he said, I'm going to beat Morrison in the match that's just about to happen. And then grabbed the dripstick and used it on both of them. Because he's he loves to have fun, Michael Sidgwick. 
I've had the horrifying realisation when I was watching Smackdown with the Corbin stuff, and you get it again here. Vince Man loves a prankster. Like triple uh, Ricochet could pull off a triple rotation moonsault, and I'd still think you're a geek. Who cares? Like you're still a total and utter dickhead. Dickhead who I cannot stand, right? The horrific realization is that Vince McMahon wants me watching his show to do this to John Morrison in the Miz. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he wants me to do. Do it. I'm 35. <laughs> Not going to do it. That's what he wants me to do. Yeah, but it's a drip stick O'Shea now, Cedric. You know, he's not a super athlete. He's a guy with a water pistol. The dipstick is what he is. Stupid arsehole of a man. And then he had a really good match with John Morrison, which just made it all the more worse that this had just preceded it. Um, you know, Ricochet is insanely talented between the ropes, of course, and working with someone like John Morrison, who he's obviously worked with in the past, which are in the ground, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, they look great together. Flippy bollocks, all that sort of thing. Morrison slows the pace down. Ricochet comes back, sends Morrison out to the floor with a drop kick, sliding drop kick again. But Miz, in his wheelchair, rolls in the way. Ricochet tells him to get out of the way. Miz won't. So Ricochet jumps off his wheelchair and Hurricane Rana's John Morrison. Great little spot, that. And then he uses the dripstick on Miz. Uh, later on, Ricochet hits a springboard crossbody off the middle rope for a near fall. It's a sliding clothesline for a two-count again, but Morrison recovers. He gets a two-count for a sliding knee. Misses Starship Pain, eventually goes to the outside, to which Ricochet goes to, to, to hit him with a dive, but Morrison dives over the barricade instead to get away from him and then basically sits on it and taunts Ricochet, to which he sits a springboard crossbody from the ring onto Morrison, who's sitting on the barricade, onto the outside. It was a wild spot. Yes, there was a crash pad. What do you can expect? The people going, aha, uh, did you see there was a crash pad there? Yeah, because you're not going to hit a diving crossbody from the ring to the outside on sodding concrete. They both got counted out, though, understandably, because that spot was bloody bonkers, Michael Hamflet. It was. Super creative use of the circumstances. Yeah. Um, which they don't do enough. I don't know if this was pre-taped because, I mean, he nailed him. So maybe they had to have a couple of goals at this and then they insert it into the live broadcast. Crash mats, great. Like, make something that looks good. Love wrestlers disappearing from view. Never mind if it's produced well. I don't want a hand appearing to move the table out of the way like WWE's botch at Hell in a Cell. I don't like production flubs, but I like this. Um, I'd have, it's just WWE, I'd have just flip it. They went to the break. Raw rolled on with the Miz getting squirted in the face with a water pistol. <laughs> Why couldn't Raw roll on with this amazing spot to give the like commercial break the time for them to recover and then Ricochet rolls them back in the ring like, and they fight to a victory and Ricochet wins and you, and you get a finish because that spot was fantastic, but it can just do what, every, what most other Ricochet spots can do, which is exist in complete isolation uh, in contrast to like his career which is just in stasis, which is just going nowhere, which is 50-50 into oblivion. Worse, like 90-10 into oblivion. He loses far more than he wins. Like, I wish that they'd thought, like, loved it. I just wish they'd thought of a way to actually do this and deliver a finish. 
I don't think that's asking too much. <laughs> and I think you could have had a believable recovery time. And, and like that could have been a point where you're right. We've had a bit of fun because we cannot help ourselves with Mither Morrison. But like John Morrison can go and like the ricochet can do all this. And then you have, you actually build to a finish. It just left me cold, to be honest. Didn't lead to a finish. I think Gran Akuma on Twitter, he's a good follower, you should follow him, just said, how cool could it possibly be if it doesn't win you a match? I was like, right, okay. You probably, it's just, you shouldn't think about WWE like that, but also you absolutely should. You absolutely should think of it like that. There's some creative stuff in the match. Um, the way they are presented in WWE, the way, the way they work in WWE, it's like, I've got incredible latitude for an awesome spot fest. Even one that doesn't really dare tell a story in a traditional way, just a pretty transparent exercise. And right, we're going to just turn up the volume knob here for the pop. Love that. I think there's an art to it in itself. There's something about Ricochet and John Morrison in this ring where I just think, ah, oh, hit each other. Hmm. Hit each other a bit. Like, I just get turned off by the way WWE. I think it's because it's so cookie cutter and mass produced. And you see something like this match on AEW and you think, this is the style that people want to work in. There's such a begrudging element to the way WWE does this specific kind of wrestling as it has done post NXT. That just kind of alienates me. Like, I know they don't like it. Mm. So I don't like it that much either. The only thing that this needed was, uh, wow, what a wild, high-flying brawl this is. If you like this, then you should tune into two of... Oh, no, wait a second. <laughs> right, let's move on to the moment we've all been looking forward to on Raw this week. More Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley bollocks. Um, she was uh, backstage with Natalia and Tamina Flair, this is, although it doesn't really matter. There's no baby faces and heels in this. Um, she said, oh, legacy, that's what this is all about, isn't it? Uh, that's what we're doing here. Uh, and they're going to make them pay. That's that's what's going to happen. And then we got the match. Flair, Natalia, and Tamina versus... Um, oh, thank God. I can't deal with this Flair stuff. I don't care about the recap. People can go on the ups and downs on the website for it. Let's just... Now time for this. Okay, just very quickly. The finish was Natalia failing to put on a sharpshooter again because, again, she's, she's, she's bad at it. She's really bad at the sharpshooter. Rose breaks out and then just gets hit with a boot by Flair. Pinza, one, two, three. Maria Ripley, the baby. Well, I don't know, actually. I was going to say the baby face. Who bloody knows? She comes in with a chop lock afterwards and runs away. They haven't got a sodding clue what they're doing with her, have they? Anyway, enough of that. It's now time for this. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling related. The five-star review review. Nailed it. <laughs> and this week's five-star review review is brought to you by, you know, on the SmackDown pamphlet, you know, the winner is the king. Well, this week's review is brought to you by Tyler is the man. Uh, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling. Leave us a five-star review and suggest something short, crap, and wrestling rated if you want to do this sort of thing. Tyler Rice, uh, good morning, guys. I discovered your YouTube channel about two years ago and started listening to the podcast during the pandemic, and it's become part of my shift at work. Oh, hang on. I'm from New York, and listening to y'all has got me saying bloke in other UK terms. I, lo <laughs> I love Hill Sidgwick on a WWE podcast and Face Sidgwick on an AW podcast. Wilborn is hilarious, and Walter <laughs> is my absolute fave. My girlfriend calls me a wrestling encyclopedia, just like Walter. Keep up the good work. Uh, for my five-star review review... <laughs> 
Can you go over John Cena and Randy Orton versus the entire Raw roster uh, from March 2008? I was a kid at the time and watching it live and seeing them spam finishes like WWE 2K made it one of my favorite matches of all time. Thanks in advance, guys. Thanks to you, Tyler. Thanks for that a five-star review review. Uh, you want to do it, as I said, What Culture Wrestling on iTunes. Hamlet, take us back to March 2008. What's going on here? It's WrestleMania season. Um, Triple H, Randy Orton and John Cena are in the main event. And as somebody would have drawn up at the time, they were in every main event for like Two years. four or five years. It was a rotation of them three, Edge and Batista, where you couldn't find a main event without one of them, I think for the better part of half a decade. Um, but it was a WrestleMania match regardless. And the stipulation had been, and like to my shame, I can't remember and I, I didn't check in advance and I apologise. All three of them were given something to do to their other opponents in the weeks leading up to the show. And as you get in the commentary, Triple H was the smartest of the bunch. Because I'm sure like Cena made Triple H and Randy Orton team up or something. Ah, hilarious. And like Randy Orton made Triple H and John Cena fight Umaga maybe. Yeah, hard opponents or whatever, but like Triple H is a cerebral assassin. So they have to fight everybody. And... The rosters were still split at the time. So it, <laughs> once you take away those three main eventers, you can see, unfortunately, why they are in the main event because almost nobody else on this show. Like, Shawn Michaels is on Raw, but, like, he's not grubby in his hands with this nonsense. <laughs> Ric Flair was still on Raw, but, like, he's not programmed with Shawn Michaels. It was almost like anybody that's very clearly not going to be busy at WrestleMania, we need you to be the Raw roster. And this is what we got. This has 63 million views on YouTube, this clip. Uh, Orton comes out first. He's got his, what is it, burning light, whatever it's called. Hey, nothing you could say. That was a nice little... Uh... Alger is a virus as lethal as COVID because I watched this and at various points thought, Oh, it's not so bad, is it? And I lived through it, and I know it was so bad. And like, Rah! it was like terrible, terrible music. But I was like, God, this is slightly more interesting than your average Randy Orton music. Like, it's got a bit of a beat to it, for Christ's sake. Like, I, I, so there's a note I'm going to get to in a second that really yeah, reveals, like, yeah, it's not as great as you like when you remember it. You're thinking it's far better than it actually was. So if Orton walks out on Cena, he's stripped of the title and out of WrestleMania. Imagine if he just did. Ah, bollocks to you. Good luck in two weeks. I feel like, uh... <laughs> Same with John Cena, obviously just out of WrestleMania. Uh, John Cena gets a huge pat and shout out to the production guy. Massive pop with John Cena's entrance. Make sure we punch in nice and tight on the I love Hornswoggle sign for that. <laughs> Uh, and they are in commentary talking about, well, Trooper Each is either he's either playing mind games or trying to get someone hurt before WrestleMania. You think? 15 guys or whatever it is they had to face. So then I, I was talking about this note I made. So they've come out, you know, big reaction for both of them, let's say, rather than perhaps necessarily. The rest of the goobers they're going to have to face come out of crickets obviously and also what i wrote initially was uh oh, some generic book rock theme for the roster and then i realized oh it's the raw it's the raw theme That's what uh, nothing, nothing makes me sadder than when whenever there's like a raw 25 or a raw special where like wwe and like look there's fans of all different ages there's got to be stuff for everybody i, I get that 
Like just because just because my age had it perfect, it doesn't mean that everybody else didn't have a nice time <laughs> too. But like they'll do like, uh, what if today's superstars were set against the raw credits of old? And then you're ready to see like Steve Austin walk in that warehouse or those police sirens, and it's not. It's frigging Rhea Ripley to the tune of whoa, and it's like guys, all crap. What have I been doing all these years? <laughs> I also like the fact that they came out. I'd forgotten who they faced, and I was like. Hey, what they've got a bit of a task on their hands here. It's like, um, um, Umanga, Umaga comes out, hardcore Holly. All right, he's he's a rookie, but Cody Rhodes is there. Wait, is that Val Venus? What's yeah. he doing there in 2008? And then it's like, oh, there's Snitsky. I didn't realize he was still employed at this point. Is that super crazy? Jim Duggan, Charlie Haas, one of the sudden Highlanders. What's going on with this roster, Hamlet? One, well, I'll tell you, one of the Highlanders, because the other one was headed to the impact zone and ready to lose his job when they put him on screen. <laughs> WWE superstar, Robbie or fucking whoever, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Val Venus, like at that point in his career where he's like saying, hello, ladies. And the only people responding were the ones that like Randy Marsh in South Park. Yeah. The roster, in answer to the actual question, is John Laurinaitis. Yeah. <laughs> John Laurinaitis and horrific body image standards meant that you got these bland ham and eggers, this insane range of Dogan and Venus in 2008 <laughs> because they didn't want to go for who was really popping in the mid-2000s because Samoa Joe quote was, well, it's funny. <laughs> Larry Bruce Pritchard was interviewed about this or he was asked about it on the podcast. And went, Samoa Joe was hot as hell at the time. He looked like a killer. He was doing absolutely incredible matches. His aura was amazing. People loved him so much and believed in him so much that they were shouting things like, Joe's going to kill you. It's a taunt to his hapless opponent. And uh, Vince, what about this guy? Show me a picture of a fat guy for. (laughs) Get out. So that explains the 2008 roster. Uh, so <laughs> Snitsky and Cena will start us off. Uh, I also like the bit where King just like you say, you say every week, Sige, they think you're stupid. Like this is there to, you know, you've got to go through all these people to, to, to like survive. You're never going to do it. Obviously it's to wear you out and, and potentially injure you before WrestleMania. And King just before the match starts goes, Wait a second. So if John Cena beats beats Snisky here, is it all over? Of course it bloody isn't. You know that. I know that. But the Dico's watching. They need to make sure you really mention what the, how this is going to work out. So Snisky genuinely actually gets the best of Cena. Like you know, straight up, they're both fresh. Snisky lays him out, hits him with a power slam. But wait a second. Who's that tagging in? It's a me, it's Santino. Santino Morella tags himself in. It's a me, I'm a going for a diving headbutt. Misses it, the music gets rolled up. One, two, three, see you later. Thanks for coming, Santino. That's the fun part gone. Trevor Murdoch steps in. Right, I did some research on this because I was reading, obviously, Trevor, Trevor Murdoch faced Nick Aldis recently and interviewed Nick for, uh, for promoting that NWA show. And I was like, wait, Okay, Trevor Murdoch's like 40 now. So I looked, how old, like, do you think Trevor Murdoch was here? When you, uh, take, disregarding what I just said, how old would you, because I, when I was watching him at that time, I just said he was about 35. Yeah. Yeah, about that. 27? 
trying. He's had art paper around, hasn't he? Jesus. Anyway, um, so on Trevor Murdoch, wasn't there? Like, oh, he was like, he was the the like the free bird, the next generation of free bird that like there was nobody else that wanted to be that with him. So he just aged <laughs> out. Did a Canadian destroyer once on a pay per view? He did. Uh, was it Lance Cade was his partner, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah, basically, Cena puts the STF uh, on. Uh, on Murdoch, Lance Cade thinks, oh, my partner's in trouble. I better come in. Randy Orton just runs over him. So Murdoch taps out. Lance Cade comes in. RKO. One, two, three. Brilliant. Just the speed of all that. Thanks for coming, Lance. See you later, boy. Um, Umaga, though, comes in, lays them both out as we go to a break. We come back and I'm going, one, two, three. Wait a second, someone's missing. And they're like, oh, yeah, super crazy. Got uh, eliminated in the commercials. Who cares? Poor bastard. <laughs> Jim Duggan. A heel Jim Duggan here. Everyone's like, yeah, Jim Duggan comes in, punches punches Orton or uh, Cena, who cares, whoever it is, punches him twice uh, and then just brings in Cody Rhodes. Jim, uh, Jim Ross, by the way, had some sort of like mid-south PTSD at this point because he just said something like, Jim Duggan, this Raw main event is the wildest match ever. And he's just like... <laughs> Fathom that this guy that he watched in white hot houses in the mid 80s is in freaking swimming shorts tagging Dusty's kid in a 50 on two match in the main <laughs> event. Lost faith in this whole process. Like, this wouldn't have happened when I was head of talent relations. I brought in Austin the Rock, and you boys got this mess. I love Jim it. Duggan. Jim Duggan. <laughs> I'm going to be a watch. <laughs> <laughs> Back in 2008, they hadn't quite discovered the uh, can they coexist storyline because they were talking about Cena or Orton. Oh, they, had. they had, they had. It's been going on for years. What's cohabitating? Cohabiting? It may be. Cohabitating <laughs> just doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but who cares? Um, you get Paul Birchall coming in for a bit, Val Venus coming in for a bit, Carly. Uh, they're all beating up Orton. Just Jim Ross who said cool habitating. I think it was I think it was King. Who bloody knows? Just like just Jim Ross, as he trips off on his words. Because if he was thinking of like maybe he trained himself to say cool habitating because he's trying to reach for coexisting, you go cool where co-heads. Oh, and then to start getting like really excited. Uh, so here comes the hot tag we've all been waiting for. Robbie the Highlander comes in. <laughs> Orton tags out. Uh, Cena hits the top rope leg drop that always used to bloody injure him. Uh, hits it on the back of his neck. Pins him. In course, Dane comes David Boy Smith Jr. Five knuckle shuffle. F you. Thanks for coming, mate. He's gone. Uh, Orton tags in. Immediately RKO's Paul Birchall. Same with Val Venus. Uh, Cody comes in, he gets caught by Cena and thrown into an RKO. That was a nice spot, to be fair. And at this point, they go, oh, bollocks. Well, let's all just pile in. They come in, jump Cena and Orton, DQ. Brilliant. Oh, things never change, do they? So Cena gets knocked to the outside in the midst of all this whilst they're beating down Orton. Grabs a chair and, oh, my God, what a different time this was. Twat. Hardcore Holly with it. Headshots for him, Snitsky, Charlie Haas, Carlito. My goodness me, it was horrible to watch that. Um, as as like, you know, the bit where they freeze it and then don't obviously show it. We all know what's going on, of course. Um, yeah, <laughs> Umaga comes in, lays him out with a spike. Uh, JBL takes out Orton. So uh, 
JBL in, instructs Umaga to hold up Orton to hit him with a chair. He misses, hits Umaga instead. So Umaga no-sells it, spikes Orton, and then chases JBL to the back. I laid out, what on earth could happen next? Triple H's music hits. He slowly walks down, comes in, pedigrees both men, stands tall. Why am I not surprised, Michael Sidgwick? People have only recently started comparing WWE. Like in the last three or four years, last three years, that's as bad as WCW. Oh, it's pretty bad, this. This is as bad as the worst of WCW. This is like literally like the quintuple version of the Doomsday Cage match. <laughs> it's like they literally did the, wor- the very worst thing possibly that WCW ever did, all things considered. And they one of them, 13 years ago, they did this. And people are telling me, I know, we should probably give a chance. They're giving someone a push. Who cares? Who gives a toss? Done. Dead. The whole thing sucks. I really struggle when we watch stuff from this era for the five-star review against, like, when 2021 Raw is so fresh in my head because this is just preposterous. This match is preposterous. And yet, there were, like, little bits, like Cena and Orton realising they have to work together and, like, Cena catching Cody for that assisted RKO and Orton making the save and then, like, leaping in and hitting Birchall to make the save and pin him at the same time. I was like... Oh, they've really thought about that. Like the crowd are going nuts for it. Like they can't believe they're getting to see like this heel and babyface career, right? Like legacy rivals against each other. It's the opposite of that rumble tease where nobody wanted to see it. <laughs> Hang into this, like this like unique chemistry they've got. And like it's still absurd, still ridiculous. It's still in complete service to Triple H. It's all the things I hate about mid two thousands WWE fundamentally. And yet there are just like little bits. And, like I, like at least they know some of what they're doing. And I like. Raw 2021 doesn't hold up to them standards at all. Like this, the best sort of thing I can use as an example is the Battle Royal at the start of the show. I'm sat watching in mm. shock disbelief that some of it is broadly functional and almost passes for decent. And then you just step back from yourself and you're like, oh, it's two versus 50. None of this makes any sense. The 50 should have won in a minute and a half, but they're all complete mugs. Also, uh, I did like Val Venus's reaction when he's doing the five knuckle shuffle and he's trying to like... No, 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 don't do it. <laughs> you want to talk. A full sex instead, like me. <laughs> uh, so we go to the comments. As always, these do not reflect the views of myself, the Dadly Boys, or anyone at What Culture Wrestling. We are united, writes. Remember these days when WWE matches were so good you had to go back and rewatch them? This doesn't happen anymore. Sid, just a guaranteed one every week, this. Oh, that's. I'm getting hungry now. <laughs> Petrenko writes, oh, I miss these times back when they used to make me feel like it was non-scripted. <laughs> 2008. If it was non-scripted, right, this, this could be a guy who was watching it when he was seven, right? Let's bear this in mind. But how does it remotely feel like that now? Mm. 50 of them. There was 50 of them. Jesus. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of the like harking back to like oh, the good old days. Slightly worrying this comment from Mr. Barris. <sighs> back when life was good. You're right there, mate. Like, <laughs> come on, cheer up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
cheer up. Yeah. Delta variants finally surging stateside, and there's loads of vaccine hesitancy. But you know, cheer up. Everything <laughs> has got a caveat next to it. But you know, cheer up. Most it's twelve months ago. It's just me on all my burners watching wrestling. Feeling sad. Me and anything. Christ. Uh, I love the. I love finding comments from people who who you look at and you go, you know, you didn't have to press send on that, like. Cody, just Cody, writes, Randy Orton just RKO and everyone is so entertaining. Like Stone Cold running up and just stuttering everyone. Oh, I'm too stoned. Well, don't write it then. Don't write it, Cody. Uh, stoned people love to tell you they're stoned. Oh, God. I'm going to try stunning by their own stuttering because... Ah, too stoned, baby. And the final comment here. Is a reply to another comment. Fletcher Bax writes, uh, Randy Orton has a physique. I think all guys can agree they wish they had. And there's some arguments underneath it about like, oh, no, I'd rather have the physique of The Rock. And it's like, well, you're not getting either of them, lad, so I wouldn't worry about it. But Shannon Short's seen that and gone, I need to I need to give my thoughts on this. So Fletcher's written, oh, Randy Orton's got a physique. All guys uh, can agree that they wish they had. And Shannon goes in and goes, looks like he's got a big pee-pee too. <laughs> Big old peepee. Oh, God. <laughs> Should have emphasized it with his trunks, Hamper. He's got his new Katsuri Shibata. Put it that way. Is he wearing a cup or not? I need to know. <laughs> Wasted years of all those white gears, and all along somebody was getting a bell end detailed on the V of their trunks. <laughs> uh, so, thank you to Tyler, is the man for that five star review. Review. If you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling related for us to review instead of a god awful raw segment, then uh, do so by subscribing to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes and leaving a five star review on there. And we return to Monday Night Raw where uh, they're recapping the classic Jackson Riker and Elias feud. All the times Elias has basically just walked out on a match. And Riker's backstage. This is the bit, Hamlet. He's just whipping himself with the strap, just getting himself ready for the upcoming strap match. Uh, Kira Tozawa runs past him. Riker, just nothing, no reaction. R-Truth is after him, of course, but he stops and tries to have some sort of patter with Riker, I suppose. He says, oh, can you see me? John Cena stuff. Uh, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And he Why says, is he from Yorkshire? <laughs> <laughs> it's our truth. <laughs> and Riker says, I'm purging all the pain from my body. And R-Truth goes, all right. Well, I'm off to get my 24-7 championship back. I'll see you later. Bye. <laughs> This was him here, haven't they? This is the point that I said they've cosloved him. Oh man, like just I feel like somebody got in touch with us over Twitter after the, the first it was either the Forgotten Sons or the early days of the Riker push. Um they've given a toddler a thesaurus and asked them to write about legitimate war PTSD, and that's the Jackson Riker character now. Like, Big words missing big points about really big concepts that affect people's lives. It's not one that's close to me, I've got to be honest, but it's something that I realised probably deserves a bit more attention this week because they're going heavy with it. He's a baby face, so they'll go even heavier with it. It will feature in 
prominently in some of his storylines. And as you pointed out, the video, but like, you know, they're comparing whatever people go through in on the battleground, mm. lives being lost to, what was it, like three count out matches <laughs> with Elias. Like, he's rolled out of there and I can't take this anymore. It's got, it's got to end tonight. <laughs> It's the most hideous. hideous. It's hideous. It's hideous. But everything's so low-key hideous that like you can't really bury it on Twitter and get no numbers. Um <laughs> purging the pain from my body. <laughs> so imagine like just stood there the entire time. Let be an American. And his head just <clears throat> like what's it? What's this? How is this a babyface pro wrestling character? Mm. They've seen what's his name, Paul Bettany's character in Da Vinci Code, and gone. What if he was a hero though? So you know, just a thought. It's all right because this bit's invented Ron Truth Killings. So you know, we've got a new gimmick to add to your to Wilborn's world now, haven't we? It's like Raw Truth and his whippet running off with the twenty four seven title. Right, come on, let's go and get that twenty four seven championship back. <laughs> Let's just finish the podcast. <laughs> okay. This has got a flat cap instead. Will Jimmy, come here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it went like three and a half minutes of strap match, and it was still boring as all hell for me. Although I did like Byron Saxton saying, Jackson Records had one week to become one with the strap. <laughs> he just needs to just take a walk. <laughs> yep. This match is boring. Yeah, it was it was three. Oh, are you saying are you saying Cedric Byron Saxon needs to touch some grass? He needs to touch some grass. <laughs> touch some grass. <laughs> touch some grass. Tweet sent from some enchanted meadow somewheres. Elias cut a promo, but I can't remember what he said. I don't care. He jumped up Riker early on. Uh, there was some post stuff with it being hung up over there and people getting slammed into it and then Elias getting sent into the ring post. Uh, you get it? It's like torture. Mm. Right. And like came up the second turnbuckle. Elias hit a jumping knee and got a near fall. Uh, Riker sends Elias into the corner, whips him with the strap, slams him, pins him, and I don't care if I'm honest. It's, I, I'm not a huge fan of strap matches on the best of times, but with two people I could not care less about, it was just, yeah, pointless, this, Sige. Yeah. What's next? Damien, Damien Priest is in the back. He's uh, We're nearly there. He's going to chat to Riddle, uh, but it's not Riddle. Riddle's not there. He's Randy Orton. He's embodying the grumpy bastard that is Randy Orton. Uh, but Damien Priest coaxes him out of his shell by talking about burgers. And he says, oh, it's actually me. And he's like, yeah, I know you, twat. Uh, I know it's you. Um, but Priest gives him a word of advice and says, look, Orton is lucky to have you as a friend. And Riddle says, oh, thanks very much. But then he gets all serious again. What do you think of this, Michael Hamplet? I wanted Riddle to be like, I am, I am, I'm Randy Orton. Shake my hand, shake my hand. Look how much I'm Randy Orton. And then just Damien Priest takes one look. I was like, Shawn Michaels directed him to do an NXT. Oh, yeah. just, imagine, just imagine that it's dripping in cum and you're questioning your life choices and walk away. Um, my thoughts are that the Burger King is going to win the 24-7 title any day now. <laughs> because whenever they shoe on these plugs in, you know it's never a one-off. Um, um, thoughts on this, so... Yeah. Uh, we had a brief interview with Drew McIntyre backstage talking about the upcoming Triple Threat main event. Told another story about 
British or English and Irish and Scottish people fighting. And uh, it was it was a nonsense story. It was a load of bollocks. And he sort of admitted it. And I'm glad because I just I did wasn't listening. <laughs> it's something about him saving Christmas or something. And he went, oh, you knobhead. It's not real, Patrick. Uh, I'm going to win this and then win the money in the bank. And then we got to the main event, uh, Riddle versus AJ Styles versus Drew McIntyre for that last spot in the men's Money in the Bank ladder match on the Raw side of things, at least. Um, yeah, just wild stuff. Three great guys working together in this match. I mean, yes, we caveat it, as always, Sige, with the the it's a triple threat. You know, the way this is going to work with, you know, one person getting sent to the outside and selling for too long whilst two people work in the ring. But that's what happened. Um, McIntyre. Just hoying Riddle over the place, suplexed him across the ring. Huge back body drop from uh, from McIntyre on Styles for a near fall. McIntyre clears the announce table to go for a, a big move, but Styles gets out. Riddle hits him with a knee. They're fighting around ringside. Eventually, Styles sends McIntyre into the post, and they work together, Styles and Riddle, to uh, to eventually. Uh, put him through the announce table in the midst of all this. There was a suplexes and, and all that sort of thing. But yes, Riddle and Styles get McIntyre up and slam him through the announce table, which of course explodes. So it's Riddle and Styles fighting it out as Styles comes into the ring. Uh, Riddle catches him, hits Orton's draping DDT, sets up for the RKO, but Styles counters with a sort of modified burning hammer effectively for a two count. They keep trying to having to deal with McIntyre to make sure he's still down on the outside. Uh, Riddle's nailing them both with kicks. Um, but as Styles is on the outside, Lent against the stairs, and Riddle goes to kick his head off. Styles moves, and Riddle just nails the stairs with his bare foot and screams in pain, talks about breaking his foot. In the, in the end, uh, the officials uh, take him to the back as we as we go to the break. So as we come back, it is Styles and McIntyre effectively battling it out. McIntyre eventually fights back. Uh, he hits a Mishinoku driver, gets a near fall. Styles fights back. He gets him in the calf crusher when who should be coming down the ramp? But a recovered riddle, well, sort of recovered. He's limping down. Gets back in, puts the bro mission on Styles. Styles gets out of it. Riddle uh, hits McIntyre with the bad foot with a kick. Uh, Styles goes for the normal forearm. Riddle counters that with a knee. Hits the RKO. He's got the match won. But then Big George pulls Styles out of the ring. And then out of nowhere, McIntyre hits Riddle with the Claymore to get the one, two, three. Drew McIntyre qualifies for money in the bank. What did you think of the main event, Michael Hamplet? Um, better on paper than it was in practice. Like, I, di- I didn't hate the match. It was like all a bit long for what they were trying to do, I think. Um, but it's that end of raw feeling, isn't it? If you know you're getting the longest match last, you're kind of like too exhausted for it. Um, but fundamentally, like I do like it. The stuff I'll remember is the stuff that matters ultimately. Like the steel stair spot was quite an interesting way to write Riddle out and bring him back in. Um, I thought the finish genuinely felt like they were arriving at a crescendo and a climax mm. which almost like well, not never but like rarely happens in these Thunderdome matches that's quite nice um, and what they've done and again like I'll give credit where I think it's genuinely sometimes justified um, the idea that Randy Orton was always going to turn on Matt Riddle was there in the ether because Orton's a psychopath and an arsehole and that weeks ago when he was like oh the things I enjoy are really sad and boring and like you know that like <laughs> always going to come but what they've done now is create like a narrative justification for it as a, as a proper heel. Like, look at Riddle, giving everything just to try and help his mate out, paying tribute to him the whole goddamn night. 
and he's just fallen short, but like any nice person would look at that and put, oh, thanks so much for trying. Whereas you know, Orton, the Viper, the Apex Predator, when he does strike, he's going to do it because of this. I was gone for like five minutes and you cost me my spot in Money in the Bank. It's entitled, it's cruel, and it's unnecessary. And it's kind of logical. And it's like a good setup to that eventual split. So I, I like what the setup is. And it wasn't a half bad match to get there as well. My brain isn't yet programmed to receive 26 minutes on TV if they haven't hyped the ever-loving crap out of the match. I feel shocking, cruel, saying I was bored during this. It was well-worked as it was. Like, Jesus Christ, they beat each other up. At one point, we're going to have to reckon with the idea, by the way, that Matt Riddle is one of the very best and most informed wrestlers on the entire globe. Like, we, if you if you stack up his work, if you stack up this run, it's undeniable at this point. Like, mm-hmm. um his injury write-off and the main theme of the match probably did warrant the length. Maybe it was 20 minutes, 26 minutes mm. for a match you've barely built. It's just a three-hour creative bankrupt era raw problem. Like it just is like 26 minutes for a single match. I don't think I'll ever get on that WWE, WWE wavelength that they are trying to get me on because it's not true. It's not a thing that should be happening. 26 minutes is a main event level match. It's an epic. It's something that arrives at the end of something huge. That ain't it with this main event. But you know what? So much of it was intelligent. They are doing... WWE, caveats aside, they are doing pretty remarkable stuff and baby-facing the hell out of Riddle. I've kind of got no idea, uh, no doubt at this point that the second he appears in front of a live crowd, like he's going to get a mega reaction. Mm. Like he is. Bit of a shame, but whatever. Um, it is a shame. It is a shame. We probably should labour on that more. But he's going to be a massive baby face. This match was very well worked. And again, like that nagging feeling that I get of none of this matters, it shouldn't go this long and it's hard to invest. I don't think I'm going to be sharing that opinion with the live crowds when they come back. They're going to love this guy. And with booking like this, for once, it's not just this air of defiance of, oh, we like him, so we're going to reach here, even if you don't promote him in accordance with how much we like him. Now, this is kind of like company and fans working in harmony. Yeah. It was a yeah, a surprisingly enjoyable episode of Monday Night Raw. Where usually, uh, considering the circumstances and where we are ahead of the pay per view, they just sort of spin their wheels. So credit where credit's due for that. It's as you always say, Sid, grading on a curve. But nonetheless, uh, an enjoyable episode of Monday Night Raw in parts. Let us know your thoughts on Twitter at What Culture WWE Watch. They can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at Michael Hamlet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, including our NXT preview, which is coming later on today. And whilst you're there on iTunes, leave us a five star review suggesting something short, crap, and wrestling related, just like Tyler is the man did earlier on today. But for now, this has been the Raw Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.